Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Hebrews chapter 5 is where we're going to be looking today, and not only are we launching point groups, but we coincide with it a new series, and we're starting today this series entitled Forward Motion. And uh, our heart, our desire is that we would see a progress of faith that would grow in what God is wanting to do and accomplish in our lives. This statement, I believe, is, is so fundamental, and, it, and it's, it's, it's the foundation that we're looking for this, uh, this, this series, this six-week journey. So as we share these sermons on Sunday, our goal then is that within our point groups, there's opportunity to connect, to build relationship, and then to even bring application so that we can encourage one another in, uh, in allowing the Word of God to be applied and strengthened in our lives. But this, I believe, is such a a, a foundational statement of what we want to see built upon, and that is this, that faith, any faith, any person with faith, it is not possible to remain in the same place that you've been. If we are a person of faith, it is impossible to remain in the same place. That if we are people of faith, we are people who are advancing, who are developing, who are growing. Scripture is, is that we know for certain is this. In James chapter 2, it says this, that faith without works is dead. We often know this many times if you're in the church and maybe if you're, you're new to the church, maybe that's different to you. You've not heard that before, but it is so foundational to our faith is that faith without works is dead. That if we are not activating, that the faith by itself does not produce. It's faith in motion. It's in action. My, my nephew, when he was little, he would uh, come to us with his device at times, and uh, when he would have an issue with his device, he would bring it, whether it was a phone that he was borrowing of somebody's, because how many know babies come out of the womb already working thumbs and fingers on the devices? I think it just happens. And so, you know how they say if you talk to your baby, the baby will know your voice while it's still in the mother's womb. It'll know the voice. I think while the mother is on the text or on the phone, the baby is learning, I can do this too. I mean, it's just a natural thing. My little uh, nephew, he uh, would come to us when he was little, and he would bring his device, and it would no longer work. He would say, I died it. I died it. He would die his, his, his device that he was working on, and he knew this, that it would run out of power. The battery would die, and so he died it. Because if you remain disconnected from the source of power, if you remain disconnected over a period of time, you're going to die it. And I don't mean D-I-E-T. You're going to die the thing. It's going to die. I know that we understand that and we become so dependent upon the devices that we have created points to make sure that we can recharge and take care of knowing that we will not spend a moment without an activated phone or smartphone or some device in our hand or in our pocket or somewhere wherever you put it. I've watched people put that thing in places I didn't know it belonged there. I don't know where you put the phone. And why do we even call it a phone? Because who even talks on it much anymore? You spend time with it in your fingers more than you do on your ear, but we still call it a 
phone. So I don't completely understand that whole thing. But nonetheless, we know what it's like to make sure that our phone is connected and activated. You've got a charger for your, for your car. Raise your hand if you've got a charger in your car. You've got a charger beside your bed. You've got a charger in the kitchen. You've got a charger in your bag when you're traveling because you never know when you might need or might not or might need a charger in that place. You have made every provision to make sure you don't die it. You've made every provision to make sure that this does not. I do the same thing. Now, this is not a sermon. So I'm like, oh, great. He's one of those anti, you know, phone. We shouldn't be on the phone. No, I'm telling us and realizing that when we recognize something becomes so dependent, so integral, a part of our lives, that when we recognize it, you know how important this device is because you have a habit of making sure it never gets to a place that you're without it. This is already what I know. I am in my car. I've got a charger for my phone in my car. I even went and bought my wife a charger for her iPhone because I don't have an iPhone. Adam and Eve ate the apple. That was bad enough. And so I've got a Samsung. But so we have a different phone. Um, So I've got a charger for her phone in my car so she can even charge her phone in my car. I'm prepared. I'm ready. This thing gets below 60%. I'm charging that thing. I usually have an podcast or something I'm listening to. The battery starts going down. I can charge it. I know at the end of the day as well, when the day is done and I put my phone to sleep, I put it on a charger right beside my bed so that when I wake up the next morning, I know that it's ready to go. I have a habit, and I have a matter of making sure this thing is ready to go. Why? Because I'm obsessed, and now I've gotten stricken by the devil, and you know I've got the mark of the beast or whatever that might be. No. It's because I've got my contacts in here. You know what it's like. Some of you, I've, I'll talk to you and say, hey, I'd like to get together. I've got an idea. You know what the first thing I'm doing? Okay, let me look at the calendar. Let me look at my list. I even have a place in here. This morning I was walking around the, 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 the building and I had seen something that needed attention. I pulled out my phone. I went under my staff notes and I made a note because when I'm in staff meeting, I've got it all right here. I've got my calendar all right here. This is an integral part of my life. I know how important it is and so I make sure not to diet. I want to challenge us over these next six weeks. What if you would treat your faith like you treat your cell phone? What if you would treat your faith like you treat this thing? You know you can't lose it because if it's gone from you for more than five minutes, has anybody seen my phone? Has anybody seen my phone? You can't go without it. You need it. It's something that connects us. I'm not saying you're wrong for being that connected. I might say it's a shame if we know how to stay so connected here, but we don't allow ourselves to have the same intention to the things of the Spirit. And over these next weeks, I want to challenge you, don't die it. Don't die your faith. Don't let your faith die. Don't let the passion and the things for God get into into point group. Get into relationship. Make sure. We were at a wedding this week, and someone came to our table and said, hey, do you have a charger? (laughs) Why? Because their phone's dead. They need to charge it. They died it. Why? Because we need to hang around the right people and make sure you're at the right people who have the right phone. Because my goodness, if you don't have the person who has, I said, I've got to charge out my car, but I've got this phone, not that phone. If you would get saved and get this phone, then you would be able to, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I really, I really don't have any issues with that. It's just, just fun to say. But hanging around the people who can help charge, help connect. So I want to look in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, kicking this off today. Would you stand with me? And I want to look at this, this text. And as we stand, I want to pray right off the bat before we even read this scripture. Holy Spirit, come on, just put your hand over your heart. 
It's on your left side. Just, just put your hand over your heart right now and just ask God right now, Father, don't let it die. God, you know, literally, Lord, keep us living, but God, what good is it if we gain the whole world and forfeit our soul? So Holy Spirit, keep our faith active. Help us, oh God. Lord, as we look at this new series, as we take this six-week journey together, God, I pray, Lord, there's some right now, they're holding their hand over their heart, and they somehow think it's not necessary to be in relationship with other people. Convince them otherwise right now. God, I pray that we would not see ourselves as just uh, capable in ourselves, but God, that we would build relationship, that we would get connected, that we would be in places of charging so that we would not diet, but God, that our faith would be active, that our faith would grow. Help us to be in forward motion. If you agree with that today, would you just say amen? Amen. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. There is much more we would like to say about this, about Jesus, who is the high priest, and the implications. That's what he's referring to. This is the importance of Jesus as the high priest. There's much more we'd like to say to you about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. This is so encouraging from the writer of Hebrews, aren't you? I knew you'd love it. I thought, we'll just start right off the bat here. I know everybody's going to. He says you you should be craving solid food for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So let's stop going over basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let's, let us go on. Somebody say go on. Let us go on. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting. Here's the fundamental importance. This is what we, what we should already have under, under our footing. Already. He said, let us not lay again the importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms. Notice it's plural. It's even plural in the original that wasn't added later. There's baptisms, which means there's the baptism of water, and there's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the empowerment that comes from God. We don't need to lay again the foundation of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so, since we don't have to lay these foundations, these things again, since we don't have to deal with the fundamental things over and over again, let us move forward. Somebody say move forward. Let us move forward to further understanding. This is our hope, our desire. I want you right now to have confidence. I want you to have a determination. I want you to pull out your pointer finger. I want you to look at your neighbor before you're seated and tell them right now, tell them, here from, from here on, from here on. Just tell them that right now, just with determination. From here on, from here on. You may be seated this morning. From here on, from here on, I am determined that from here on. That's the title of our sermon today, this week one, as we kick this off, from here on. My mom is a uh, determined individual, and um, my mom has a way of making sure that she knows what you expect and that you will follow through with what she expects. Um, I don't know now because I've been out of the house for 20 plus years or whatever, but growing up, 
my mom would make sure that we would respond to whatever she told us to respond to. Now, my mom was a rather stern, and I believe still is a stern individual. When she got saved, Jesus was working on her anger issues. I think that's what Jesus was doing. I was two years old when mom got saved, and so, but I remember that mom was still saved, but there were moments like, man, she's saved, but she should sure beat the devil out of me. I mean, she's a, she's a believer of Jesus. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, she was abusive. No, absolutely, everything was fine. We were good. A little thing on the backside that mom would make sure mom wouldn't always have to make the backside she would just give you the look that was enough I mean I knew mom meant business and I think somewhere along the way mom was like trying to get creative in her parenting skills and in her her way of parenting that my mom started this thing somewhere around junior high like it was enough for mom to like give the look and like just she's stern do it, this is what's expected. But I think she was like trying to grow and develop, and so she started in this parental phase around early junior high, late elementary, and one day she grounded me. I'm like, oh no, I got grounded. I mean, I never knew grounding before. I remember other people in school, they're like, yeah, I'm grounded, I can't go. I'm like, what's grounding? They're like, I did something bad, so my parents won't let me go. I'm like, whatever, at my house, I did something bad. Well, whoop, I won't ever do that again. That was mom's style, but mom grounded me one day, and I learned I like this grounding thing. I'm pretty okay with the grounding, because mom would ground me, and I remember one time she grounded me because of being outside, and I didn't do my chores or whatever it was. I don't even remember, but mom said, that's it. You didn't listen. You did it again, and so you're grounded. Come in, and so she embarrassed me in front of all my friends. Way to go, mom. Like, I'm a cool elementary kid, you know, fourth grade or whatever it might be, third grade. And she embarrassed me in front of my friends. You can't play anymore, so no more football. They had to go home, and I had to go in to my bedroom because I'm grounded. And so I'm in the bedroom, and mom says, you're grounded for for the week. And so I'm like, this is over. My life is done. I'm a week in the bedroom. This is not good. Uh, I didn't even have a video game unit to play. I mean, some of you are like, we're good. I'll stay. Okay, can I get grounded again? You know, it's like, just you have to take that stuff away. But I'm in, the, I'm in the room, and I'm like, this is not good. Mom calls me down for dinner. Maybe two hours later, it's time to eat. She calls me down for dinner, and I'm like, you know, my life's over. I can't, you know, have a life. I'm going to have to go back up to the room, blah, blah, blah. We have dinner. Mom then has the conversation, and I think mom forgot to tell me to go back up to my room. And so we're just hanging out, and while we're hanging out, the next thing you know, I'm just a part of the evening things. Mom never once said, go back to your room. The next morning, I go about my day the same way I always went about my day. My mom totally forgot I was grounded. I love this grounding thing. I love mom's way of grounding would work for me. The only problem is mom's issue with grounding was that she was not consistent, and her inconsistency just made it something that was not effective. My mom needed to stick to the look because that had more power than the whole grounding thing because she had no consistency and no follow-through. You see, when there's no consistency, it muddies the water and muddies the ground and just allows it to be something that gets produced and a pattern to continue. Her plan was that she would teach me a lesson and help me to learn not to do that again. The only problem was she didn't teach me anything except if I hold out long enough, she'll just go back on her word and it won't matter. Some of us have been conditioned in life that I say I believe this, but the way I live and when it comes to moments, they become two different things and we lack a consistency. Do you know what happens when you lack a consistency? There's no grounding. And when you have no grounding, it becomes muddy. And when it's muddy, you become more of a danger than you do the ability to have good footing. You look at people who are running, and if, you, if you're in a, a football game in the fields, they'll say at times that they need to get certain cleats because if the field is wet, it will cause the, the ground to shift. And if the ground shifts, it's hard to have sure footing. It's hard to move. And some of us are running on shifting ground because we say we believe, but we live this way. 
We say that this matters, but then we make decisions that don't. We say Jesus is important, but our devotional life, and this is not a message of conviction. This is a message of saying, no, we need to get grounded. We need to develop a consistency because we're running on mud, and mud doesn't get you anywhere. You can't make traction when you're running on mud. You can't move forward because all of a sudden the rains hit. And when the rains hit, you need to be grounded. You need to be firm. You got to say, no, I'm going to take my footing. I'm going to move forward. I know what I need to do in Christ. But then you shift because, well, I know I say this, I sing this, I believe this. But in this moment, it doesn't really apply. And we get caught in the shifty things of life. And there's not a consistency. And because there's not a consistency, we don't have solid ground to move on from. We don't have the good footing and the sure-footed ground that we need to be able to move on from here because we allow the pattern to just remain. Inconsistency doesn't allow for the grounding, and it makes us unable to move on from here because our inconsistency simply repeats the pattern. If mom's goal was for me to learn my lesson and to change what I did, the way she grounded me didn't work because it taught me, or could teach me, Somebody like you was a rebel when he was a kid. It wasn't that bad. But it could teach that I can do whatever I want, and as long as I just hold out, I can just always get and just keep the pattern and keep the cycle. This is why the writer of Hebrews says to us, he says that the writer of Hebrews says, stop, so, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again, stop reiterating the same thing, that the foundation of, of, of right and wrong, of repentance and salvation. And we're, we're going over the same thing. And the reason we're going over the same thing is because we've not allowed it to become grounded in our life. And it develops this inconsistency and we're not moving forward and making progress. Because there's moments in life that when it becomes difficult, and if you don't have sure, a sure-footed or sure-grounded, and you have no consistency. You just keep repeating the pattern and going over and over again. Now, the writer's not saying to us, hey, you don't need Jesus any longer. No, he's saying, yeah, you need Jesus. The fundamental, the foundational things about Jesus, you need that. But it's the foundation, not for you to stay on, but for you to build on. Not for you to get over, but for you to build upon. It's supposed to have an effect. The cause of Jesus in our life is supposed to have an effect through our life. Faith without works is dead. If it's not evidenced in the way that it's carrying out in our lives, then it becomes something. We died it. We got disconnected. And it becomes easy at times to do the motion. And here's what I, what I think happens a lot of times in church life. What happens in church life is that we get good at doing the motion and doing and being in motion, and it's okay, but here's the motion. We're just in a circular motion. We're just in a circular motion instead of the, instead of the motion of constantly up and to the right. Our, our motion is oftentimes this pattern of we go through the same thing. Some of you know what it's like. You've got patterns that just keep showing up in your life you got the patterns that keep coming, the thoughts and the things that keep developing. They're absolutely going to keep coming. But it's no longer a pattern because though the enemy has a pattern, the pattern of this world is to keep you trapped in the way you've always been, to make you convinced that's the person you are. You'll never get out of that. That's just the way that it is. The enemy wants you to be stuck in a pattern, but Jesus wants us to have faith enacted so that when it happens again, we no longer pattern it like we did before, but now we're taking ground and we're rising above and moving on top of what once stared us down to hold us back because we're acting in faith and we're making progress. We're moving in our faith. There's a, 
response that we could give in, in cutting a tree down. And I, I know that if you're trying to cut a tree down, you can have the motion of a saw going back and forth. But if that saw isn't sharp, how many know that motion isn't producing much? In fact, it's just wearing you out. Some of us have become spiritually worn out. We become spiritually worn out because we're going through the motion, but we haven't allowed our, our saw to be sharpened. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. I'd love to tell you more about the things of God. I'd love for you to go deeper in the things of God. But here's what the writer says. You're spiritually dull. Now, this is the point where I'm tempted to ask your neighbor, are you spiritually dull? But don't do that. Because let me ask you. Have you become spiritually dull in your pursuit of the things of God? Have we allowed ourselves to be content with being disconnected from the source of power that we have a saw cutting through the tree, but it's just a motion that's back and forth without having anything to grab a hold of? You know when that saw gets sharpened, it produces teeth. The teeth start grabbing a hold of something. And when that, those teeth grab a hold, that motion then begins to remove it and take away and move, and it's acting, it's coming, it's gripping, it's taking a hold. But when something's dull, it can't grip. Try to get somewhere on dull tires. Try to get somewhere on something that's worn out. You can have all the motion, but you're just spinning wheels. Some of you feel like that spiritually. You're just spinning wheels. You're spin, spinning wheels in a life circumstance, a situation. You say, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm spinning wheels and it's not working. And God wants you to know today that sometimes in this process that it's not because he's abandoned you. It's that we haven't learned yet to take hold of what we should already know is on our feet and start stepping on top of. When you start knowing that there's something that you can ground yourself to and be able to move forward. I have a, uh, there's a friend here in our church. His name is Bill Lowry. If you know Bill, he leads our 9 a.m. usher team and uh, just a great guy. When I met Bill, Bill is so reserved. He's, he's kind of a, uh, a quiet, not kind of, forget kind of. Bill is a quiet, reserved, stay-to-himself kind of guy. And I remember when I first met him, he, he came to some events and, and started connecting. And, and now he's leading uh, one of our serve teams. He came in a couple months ago and uh, he said, hey, I want to set up a time to talk to you. He said, I've got something on my mind. He said, I've got an idea, something I want to share with you. A lot of people will have ideas and things that they want to share. And so we set up a time and he came in. Bill thought he was going to share an idea that he had, which he was, but I had a different agenda. My agenda was I want to find out how this guy, because I've watched people enough, and this guy does not have the personality to step out. He doesn't have my personality. I mean, he doesn't have my personality of getting in front of people or, 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 or putting himself out there or doing. He is quiet. He's reserved. He's shy. Those of you who know Bill, you know him that way. I said to him, I said, Bill, I said, I know you've got an idea, and I know it relates to a men's point group. I love the idea. Sit on it. Hold on it. But I've got something more important. I said, Bill, I want to find out. Why in the world are you now sitting in front of me with an idea when I know that is not your personality? 
I know you're the quiet guy who sits in the corner, who sits by and just, you have that personality about you. I said, Bill, how did you get from the guy who sits in the back of the church to now sitting across the desk from me in my office at the end of your workday? It's not even Sunday or Wednesday. You only come to church on Sunday or Wednesday. Bill, you're sitting at my desk in our church across from me at the end of your workday to share something on your heart. How did you get from the back of the church church to now coming on a day that's not even Sunday to sharing something that's on your heart because you're not Mr. Out-of-the-box personality man. I mean, he's a cool guy, but he's quiet. Bill looked at me. He said, I know what you're saying. He gave me his version of his smile because he, 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 that's, his, that's his personality. Bill said to me, he said, he said, when I came here, he said, I determined that this was a new start in my journey with God. And when I came here, I knew I couldn't just sit in the back. He said it got easy that I just wanted to show up and leave. He said, but I knew if something different is gonna happen, he said, I'm gonna have to do something different. Did you hear that profound statement? If something different is gonna happen, I'm gonna have to do something different. Some of us just need to start right there. We're wondering the pattern, the thing that we've got. He said, I determined that it's not gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna let that happen. He said, he said to me, I'm kind of shy. I said, really, kind of, a little bit, okay. He said, so I went to the men's breakfast, and, and he said, I just determined I'm not going to. You know what Bill started doing? Bill started taking responsibility on his shoulders and saying, I'm going to do something about this because the temptation is to remain disengaged, but disengage is what allows you to become spiritually dull. When we allow ourselves to become disengaged, and we can just separate ourselves from it, that I'm just, I'm, I'm in a pattern But Bill said, I'm determined. You know what? I said, Bill, we need to make you, we we need to put you on a video. He said, well, can't we just have somebody read what I say because I don't want to do that. He doesn't doesn't have that personality, but man, your story. You know what he said to me? He said, I "I determined that I'm not going to let the pattern be. Because he knew what it was to go to church. He knew what it was to be in settings. But he said, I needed something to take hold. He said, I knew I had to take responsibility. I want to say to you today and challenge you to take hold, to become engaged. You see, the enemy doesn't mind you being in motion. The enemy just doesn't want you to be forward. The enemy doesn't mind you being in motion. He just doesn't want you to be in forward motion. The enemy doesn't mind you being in the place of worship. He just doesn't want worship to get in your place. The enemy doesn't mind you visiting and having an encounter or coming and getting moved by goosebumps. He just doesn't want you to get to the place where you don't need the goosebumps. The enemy doesn't mind you having the moments that stir and cause you to engage. The enemy doesn't mind that. What the enemy doesn't want is when you start taking hold of the foundational and the fundamental and start saying, that's the start, but there's more than this. From here on. From here on. That they, maybe you're here today and for you, you need to engage for the first time. Maybe in your spiritual life, for you, you, you have a spiritual life, but you've not connected yet that it's Jesus. That it's not become Jesus to you. Because church by itself is not anything that can save you. You come to church and we're glad that you come to church, but we don't want you to just come to church. And, and I, I get grieved a little bit and I feel this when I say pressure in a healthy way as a pastor. And the pressure is this, that oftentimes people get excited about the message of Jesus Christ but fall short of being being challenged and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. 
We get excited about the message of Jesus, but we fall short of being transformed by the power of Jesus. Now, the temptation is for me to say, well, God, what do I need to do better? And we're failing. We need to do. No, it's where people, including myself, have to say, you know what? I have to take responsibility, and I'm determined that I'm not going to let that be the pattern. I'm determined that that pattern's not going to remain, that I'm going to allow a shift and a change. And you might be here today, and this is new for you to spiritually engage. Maybe you're here today, and you recognize you become disengaged. You've allowed yourself, either because of hurt, disappointment, something didn't go away, or we want it, or whatever it might be, and you feel the pressure of, well, it's just not working, and you've allowed yourself to become disengaged. And I want you to know the enemy doesn't mind that you're in motion. He just doesn't want you to be in forward motion. He doesn't want the progress. Let, let me give you some things today that I, I want to challenge and encourage you to be engaged in. That some things from this text, even as we look at, that Paul says, I, we say Paul, but we're not certain that it was Paul, but the writer of Hebrews is saying to us, here's some things that don't keep laying the foundation again. Start moving on. Take a hold. Let this take hold and move you. Here's number one. We've got to re-engage or maybe engage in listening. That when it comes to engaging in the, the things of the Spirit, we've got to, we've got to be people who, who, who learn to listen. People who are engaged in a process of listening. Let me ask you today, what has what caused you maybe to become disengaged? That in order to be engaged, that there's a, this, this need to be able to listen and spiritually dull people are people who have the inability to listen. Now, you can listen or you can hear something, but just because you hear something doesn't mean you're listening. When I was in uh, uh, early years of elementary, I don't remember if it was first or second grade, or maybe a couple years after this. Anybody else remember this when they would take you into the nurse's office and give you a hearing test and they would put headphones on your ears? Anybody remember doing that? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so you would go into the, uh, into the nurse's office. You might not believe this, but I was shy in school. So some of you are like, I can't believe you were shy in school. Man, put me in church. I come out of my shell. But in school, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the choir boy. I'm, in fact, that's what they called me, the church boy, the choir boy. You know, I was that guy, not cool. You know, I had some friends, and, and they were all trying to figure me out. But in church, that's like where my world was. That was the place I would, I would go to school to influence. About, like in school, I'm like, God, deliver me from this place, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, and so uh, it was just, you know, school, and so no offense to the teachers, I think you're doing a great job, I'm just glad I'm done, um, that's, uh, anybody else, or, wait, no, I don't want to separate the room, but I've heard people, man, I wish I was back in school, and I'm like, in the name of Jesus, get out, demon, whatever that is inside of you, I don't know what that would be, anyway, forget that, uh, we, we would go, and I, I remember walking, I was shy, and so I sat there, and she explained it to me, the nurse explained, putting the headphones on, and, and said that I needed to respond. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I don't want to fail, you know. And so she says to me, did you hear that? I went, she said, well, can you respond? She said, no, you need to raise your hand. So, she, no, you need to raise one of them. So she had to explain to me, because I was content to say, yeah, I heard. But how many know, to really know that I listened, was I had to respond to the side that would say, I heard. And I wonder today, we hear, but are we listening? The Bible says that it's not enough that to hear the word, but that we need to be doers of the word of God. 
that we need to be people who are doing and putting in action the things that are God's word. I, I, I want to be honest with you and just tell you the absolute truth. The absolute truth is this. If there's no fruit showing for the growth in your life, then you can't say you're growing. Well, you're judgmental. Judge not or be judged and you're judged and I'm going to get another church. <laughs> and when you're done there, after a couple years, you'll go get another one and another one and another one and another one. Because the challenge is the closer I get to people, they really know me. And when they really get to know me, then I have to give permission to say, hey, we need to become people who help each other to produce fruit. Fruit isn't produced always in the most pleasant climates. Sometimes it's the areas of God allowing the strengthening to come about that we would allow ourselves to produce fruit, that we need to grow, that we become doers of the word of God and not just hearers of it, that it applies in our lives. So let me ask you today, are you listening to the word of God? I didn't say, do you know what it says? Recently, I, or um, some time ago, I was uh, in a counseling session and sharing, and, and that morning I had had in my devotions a scripture that I know I would have read it before, but it came alive to me like it never came before. You ever have that moment where you're reading, and you know you read it, but man, the, 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 God showed a light on that that you didn't see before, and it comes alive to you. And so I had had that in the morning time, and, and I'm in this session with the, uh, speaking with a, a lady and, and uh, having a, a counseling session. And as I'm talking, I, I begin to share about this word that was so unique to me. And as I shared that, we're in the office, and I'm saying, uh, I said, well, you know, I, this scripture. And I didn't say I just read it today. I said, but there's a scripture that says, and I began to reference what the scripture she said. And she said, oh, yeah. And she began to finish the scripture that just caught me today. And she says to me, she says, I know the word. I'm like, you sure do. You, obviously, I know that because I just read that this morning. It was fresh on my heart. But in your mind, it was already there. Here's the problem. And she said it to me. She said, I know the word. The problem is I don't know how to apply it. She said, I know the word. And I said, you do? I said, you know the word better than I do. That's a danger when you become so good that you mentally know what you need to do and you get so good at doing what you need to do that you know it in the mind, but somehow it forgets to transpire and come into a place that it now takes root and begins to activate. It doesn't matter if you know a whole lot, but you're not producing anything. That we allow that. Do you know the word? And not know it, do you know it all? Because there's not one person in this room who knows it all. But are you applying what you do know? Are you standing on the word and making action and developing what you do know? Number one is if, you're gonna, if we're not going to be spiritually dull, we've got to engage in listening. Now, some of you are here today and you're engaging in listening. You're here right now. And I know you're going to forget what I said by the time you leave. You know why I know that? Because I do too. People, other pastors say to me, hey, Jason, what would you preach on today? Uh, Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus. So you're not unspiritual because you didn't remember because even the people who are preaching are at a place where we're having to recall. Why? Because we're so filled with information. But what we have to do is be able to apply it. That's where fruit comes from. So are we listening? Engage in listening. Number two, engage in leading. Engage in leading. I was meeting with a friend of mine this week and um, uh, Pastor Winfrey, um, great man, 
and uh, uh, just a strong leader in our community. And uh, we got together in my office, and we were praying. And as we were praying, um, he, be, he was praying, and then I was, I was there as, as well. I had, I had prayed, and we just we get together for these prayers, and just time saying, God, give us Fayette County. God, give us this community. And as he's praying, uh, there was something in my spirit that I'm like, man, I can't wait. When he's done, I'm going to share with him what I feel God's saying. And so he keeps praying, and uh, as he keeps praying, I'm like, Lord, don't let me forget what it was, because I, I can't wait to share that with him. Next thing you know, he starts praying what was in my spirit and starts saying about the opportunities and the things that are, that are coming forward. And when, we, when it was all said and done, it was one of those moments of, God, you're sealing and doing something. Here's what it was, in essence. The Fayette County is already ours. God has already given it to us. It's not that Fayette County is an issue. It's that the labors are too few. The word that God put in my heart was this. We don't have enough people stepping into the vacancies. We have too many people sitting on the fringes waiting for someone to lead, but not enough people saying, I'll step in and I'll lead it. We have enough people saying what's wrong with the problem, but not enough people saying, by God's grace, I'm going to do something about the problem. We've got a lot of in a place, and the Lord showed this to me a couple years ago in a picture with a ship and a little bit of our church, that we got a lot of people on the back, in the back ready to pick up stuff, but God says, I'm looking for people who will run with vision. I need some more people who will run to the front that would have vision, not in an observation mode, but who have said, God, I know this is the purpose to which you have, and I'm ready to step in to do what it is that you've called me to do. Are you leading in what God has called you to do? Are you stepping in to the influence? Are you leading other people? The, the writer of Hebrews says, you've been a believer for a long time. At this point, you should be teaching other people. At this point, you should be influencing other people. At this point, you should have a congregation of your own. And you're like, well, I can't wait. can't wait to go. That's not what I'm saying. Now, if God calls you to go start a church, do it the right way and be blessed. And don't just fragment that. We'll bless you if God puts that on your heart. But I can tell you already, God wants you to have a congregation right where you are. It starts in your home. It starts in your, in your point group. It starts in the place. You ought to have people coming around saying, hey, I want to learn how to follow Jesus like you're following Jesus. I want to influence. I want to be influenced. Are the people around? And one of the things that we've got to be careful of is that we become so identifying and so relevant to the world. And here's the problem with relevance. The world's relevance is we become more like the world than we've called the world to become like Christ. We've justified more. I just recently, I just was talking to a friend, and, and uh, uh, we were standing there just observing the same thing. We're observing the same thing that's going on. And I had one of those moments of a little bit of a righteous indignation of like, why? And I said it out loud. I said, why? And a friend of mine said, what, what, what are you going to say? And uh, he said, what do you think? And I walked away, and I said, Why? Why do we have to believe that just because it's in the culture, we need to allow it within our own area of influence? Why have we become so compassionate to how lost we are, but we've lost touch with the relevance of how powerful the love and the grace of God is to change us? Where is the power of change? Because if it's just the power of grace, but not the power of change, we've lost something. It's just a pattern of repeating and the cycle of the same thing and the same thing. I thank God for grace, but his grace isn't to just let me be the sinner. His grace is I'll set you free so you can be like you've never been. That's the power and the grace of God. That the grace of God that takes place, when we take a hold of the grace of God, we cannot help but be changed because faith cannot, a person of faith cannot remain the same. A person of faith cannot remain the same. That there's a place of leading. Here's what I believe. I believe that there's an opportunity. And here's what Jesus said to his disciples. He, he said, 
he said about feeding the people who were there, or, or they said to Jesus, hey, you haven't eaten yet. Are you hungry? And Jesus said, no, I've got food you don't even know about. And the disciples are worried about what they're going to eat. And all the while, there's lost people coming over the hill. And Jesus says, the fields are white and ready for harvest. But then he says, pray to the, labor, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Why? So he would send laborers. We need more leaders. We need more people who will say, you know what? I'm going to step up and step into this place. Yesterday, there were four points of ministry going on here at Faith Assembly. You wouldn't even know it. And I was only at one of them. I had intentions to visit three of them, but the schedule did not allow. I only got to one of them. But you know why we were able to do other points? Because there was someone who said, it's on my heart. I'm going to go to Charleroi. I'm going to be a part of, of the, there's, a, there's a ministry. I'm going to visit. Someone else said, I've got a heart towards those who are dealing with addiction. I'm going to go to Story Square, and I'm going to be a part of that. Someone else said, I'm going to go to Bel Vernon, and I'm going to do some more construction and some more work. I'm going to do, there were people who said, I'm going to carry this part. Do you know what things happen? More things happen because someone rises up and says, that's in my heart. I'm going to do something about it. That's in my spirit. I'm going to do something something about that. The body of Christ is now activated in different places. You know why? Because someone said, I'll step into that vacancy. I'll step in where there's a vacuum. I'll step in where there's a place of need. And if no one steps in, how many know, then that's the place that it's just going to move and happen in itself. I believe this without a doubt, that Fayette County is ready to be changed by the power of God. They're just waiting for someone to step up and lead. I believe it in my spirit with such confidence. Can I just tell you this? Fayette County is ready for a move of God. Fayette County is ready for an authentic move of God. In fact, I, I just, I, I know it. People have prophesied it. We have prayed. It's come out of prayers and confirmations. And it's, it's this, and as I'm praying today, even I, as we were uh, in uh, uh, worship this morning in the 9 o'clock service, the Lord just showed me there's a gap growing. And the gap that's growing is those who are leading and those who are just content remaining where they've been that the sharp and the dull, that there's a gap growing. Because here's the difference. Oftentimes we're waiting for someone to lead. We're waiting for someone to make the move. We're waiting for someone to do something. I want to ask you today, what are you waiting for? If God has put it in your heart, begin to step in in faith. Begin to activate that thing that God has put in your heart. This is number three. Number three is this. We've got to engage in learning. And here's how you learn. You learn by practicing. Have you ever been around somebody who's like, I'm so good, I don't need to practice? You know, I, I don't need practice. I don't. And here's the problem with not practicing. If you no longer practice, you get out of the fundamentals of what, it, what you really need to do and to operate in the time when that arises. Are you practicing the presence of God? Are you practicing the presence of God? Here, here's, here's how I, I practice the presence of God. For me, practicing the presence of God is in time of prayer. This is for me. It's prayer and journaling. I'm often writing down what I sense God is speaking because for me, I'm able to practice it because I want to see, God, where, where are you speaking? There are times that I'll share, um, you know, either dreams I've had and they're dreams. I'm like, God, this just feels like a dream, but I'm going tri- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to mark this dream because I'm practicing the presence of God. God, I sense that you're speaking this in an area because here, here's the, 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 the difficult thing, or not difficult, but the, the dangerous or, or habitual thing is that we just go through life and forget to acknowledge God. 
Get to say, forget to say, God, where are you? What, what are you speaking? What is it you're saying? God, where are you? I, I want to learn that. God, help me to learn your voice and putting these things in, into practice. And as we do that, we're able to learn the difference between right and wrong. That's what he said. He said that, that when you mature, you'll know the difference between what's right and what's wrong, and you'll continue to develop and to grow. And when we learn the presence of God, we begin to practice it. Practice the, the presence of God. How do you, you say, what in the world? You practice the presence of God. Man, spend time talking to God on your own. Spend time in prayer and reading the Bible. Spend time engaging the word of God and allowing that to become something that speaks to you. I, I love to hear, you know, of just something that God's put on, on people's heart or something God's revealing in scripture, something God's showing them. Man, make that a part, practice that. Practice that conversation with people that you're around. Engage in the things of God and the things of the Spirit. Let me give you number four. Number four is this, that we've got to engage in leveraging the moments that we have. And here's what he says. He says, let us go on. Let us go on. He says, God permitting, we will move forward. Can I tell you, God has permitted us. God permitting or God willing, let us move forward. The problem's not on God's end. Problem's on our end. My father, or my grandfather, I'm, uh, I'm half redneck. Um, my, uh, my dad is, is full-blooded yins and, uh, and pop uh, from the Johnstown area, and my mom is a full-blooded redneck from Maryland. And um, so I learned some redneck ways and. uh some of you are like, you're so offensive today. I don't, I don't, what are you talking about? My grandfather, uh, I never had a pickup truck, but my grandfather uh, uh, always had pickup trucks. And so my grandfather had this beat up truck that we would, that he would have. And, and um, uh, he would throw stuff into the back of it sometimes. And, and I remember one time saying to him when I was a kid, I'm like, do you want me to get that out of your truck? He said, no, don't get that out of my truck. Uh, he said, I need that in there. I'm like, my grandpa's a hoarder. What is wrong with him? He said, I need that in there. Winter's coming. I need that in there. Well, I didn't realize then, and he didn't take the time to explain it. He just said, I need it in there. Winter's coming. And his point was this, that there's places that he's traveling, and because of that vehicle, the more weight in the back, the better it is. The more weight that he has, the better it is. Some of you are here today and you're carrying some weight and you're like, God, this is too heavy. And God says, no, that's what you need to get traction to get to where I want you to go. Now, I, I want the airy, the, you know, the flowery, you know, just the light wheels where just, do you know anything light? doesn't really go anywhere. doesn't have what it needs, but you start putting pressure on it. It starts to wait. It starts to help take root or take connection. Some of you today, you're carrying a weight you ever carry a weight and you're like, God, I quit? How many have ever felt like quitting? <laughs> you should. Uh, I, I had one of those one time. Uh, uh, I, I, I've said before, man, I'm, I'm done. You know, maybe I can't do blah, blah, blah. I had one of those days one time and I'm like, God, just help me figure out how to get this behind me because I'm sure there's a way to quit. God, just call me to something different. Anybody ever have a moment like God? I, it was, God, give me a different, give me a different path. 
Show me something different. It's like, God, I know you, I know you, you called, and I know I, I, if, I don't, if I'm not speaking your language today or you've never been there, then God bless you. You keep your airy, flowery tires and no weight on the back. Keep spinning. Just go. God. I got to be honest with you. It was one of those moments one day, and I, like, threw a pity party, and I'm like, nobody showed up. <laughs> so, don't you know? God didn't even come. <laughs> God, I'm having a pity party here, and you're welcome. Come, you know, make me feel good. <laughs> it's like, I, I had one of those moments where it's like, doesn't anybody care? <laughs> Felt like the disciples. Don't you care? We're drowning here. Don't you care? Don't you care what's going on? Don't, don't you even care? And I, I had that moment. I'm like, I'm just going to go in bed. I'm not going to get out of bed. I'm just, forget this. You, 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 I'm, I'm done. So I'm like, oh my goodness, we need help. We need to. I'm just saying outside what you felt with on the inside. I'm just saying publicly what you know you've gone through privately. I'm just saying in moments where like, God, what, what's it for? To what end? To what is it? It's so easy then to feel like I just need to disengage. Because if I just disengage, it won't hurt as much. That wasn't funny. That was. It was the voice, I know. If I just disengage, it won't hurt as much. Some of you have done that in your marriage. If I just disengage, it won't hurt as much. If I just disengage, some of you have done it in church. If I just remove myself, if I just, if I just go through the motions, if I just go through the motions, if, if, I just, if I can just disengage, and maybe even disengage to the point where it's like, they'll let me off the hook. Just be gone. I won't have to deal with this anymore. The only problem is you lose focus because when I was done my pity party and God didn't show up, God says, my spirit, Jason, it sounds like you need to learn a little more endurance. Oh, God, you just called me weak. He did. He did. He did. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I had this picture of this weight, and my grandfather's old green beat up pickup truck I felt beat up I felt like God can I just find another place another area another thing another and you know what it's like I know you do I know you do the Holy Spirit said you can go find something different or you can operate in my strength and walk on ground you've never walked on before. Or you can take hold of what you already know and apply what you already know because I'm wanting the feelings, but God says, I want to give you the revealing. I don't want you to feel, I want to reveal. I don't want you to feel your way around. I want you to walk in revelation. And the only way to get to revelation is to have sometimes a weight that feels like I can't carry it, but then I know His grace is sufficient for me. That when that weight, it causes you to put some foot down and say, from here on, from here on, 
The enemy wants me to stay in a pattern. The enemy wants me to remain in a place of either going from one place to the next, from one relationship to the next, from one situation to the next, and just, but God, by God's grace, no, I'm saying, God, by your grace, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to move forward because of what's coming in my life. I'm going to allow the grace of God to give me strength that I can move on ground that I've never moved before, that I can allow this foundation and I can move forward in what God has. I want to speak to someone today. You feel the weight. You feel like giving up. You feel like quitting. You know what the enemy says? I like it when you get in the pattern. Yeah, just keep the pattern going. Keep the pattern going. You can even do the pattern in church. I don't care. Just don't start making progress. Just don't start taking hold of the truth. Just don't start walking on solid ground. Just keep it muddy. Keep it muddy. But I say with determination today, no. From here on, from here on, I'm standing on the truth of God's word. From here on, I'm not going to get caught up in the pattern of how it always goes, of what it's all. I'm moving on in the hope of God's promise. I wonder if there's anyone else today who says from here on. From here on. I wonder if you're here today and you say, you know what? By God's grace, I'm saying, God, no matter what has been, it might have been good days, bad days, whatever it is, but it's like from this moment on, from here on, I want to move forward in the progress. I want to move forward in the faith. I want to move forward in the promise of who God is. If that's you today, would you stand to your feet today and you just say, from here on, I'm moving forward in what God has. I'm not getting caught in the pattern. I don't know what your pattern is. I don't know what it might be, but by God's grace, it's time to move on. Tell your neighbor, tell somebody beside you, tell move on, move on, move on, move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move in what God has. It's time to advance. It's time to not lay the foundation again and the pattern again. Break the cycle in Jesus' name. Take root, take ground, move on in what God has spoken. I am determined that from here on, from here on, I'm walking in the promise and the direction that God has. If that's you today, just declare that right now. Maybe you even want to come to the altar and say, God, I'm coming from this moment on. I'm, I'm stepping into what you have. I'm saying from here on, your work be accomplished. I want to see you advance and your work be done. Come on, if that's you on this first week, let's just declare this before God, that I'm determined. I'm determined. And I'm going to build upon your promise, oh God. Jesus' name.